Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Okay. Welcome back to Casing the League on Believe Network Hockey fans. As you guys know, we bring you the best in the top topics going around the NHL. And then we have a specification for the Tampa Bay Lightning, as that is my home base. But before we get into all of that, Casing the League is brought to you by Bet Online. The last of major pro sports leagues is off and rolling, and college basketball is ready to go as well. BetOnline remains your top spot for all of your live betting action and contests. NFL, college football, UFC, NHL, all in full swing, which means BetOnline is your number one source for wagering news, odds, trends, and predictions. All the hoops betting action along with every sport available at your fingertips with both desktop and mobile access at any time. Head to BetOnline today and remember to use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Now, as you guys know, I'm your host, Casey Hudson, and I'm joined by our friend of the show. It's no longer a guest. You're you're like the bestie of the show. Brian Hedger, Dispatch, Columbus Blue Jackets, Columbus Soccer. I see you're doing a lot more soccer now. Uh, yes. You yes. picked that up. That was this summer. Yeah. I know. And I was really psyched about that. I'm, I'm itching to potentially get back into the soccer mode, but hockey has taken over my life has it taken over yours how are you it's a game day in columbus for you yeah, you're lucky to get a hold of me here because i'm just it's like every <laughs> single day i feel like you know it's use a football terminology i feel like i'm behind the sticks all the time you know i need to get ahead <laughs> of the sticks get start working ahead of a working ahead a little again so, so i can get some sleep um, uh, and things like that so it's been kind of a you know a, a crazy start to the season but a good start and it's good to get back into hockey uh by the way, the crew did win last night, the Columbus crew. They beat Atlanta uh, in the first round. I have to, you know, I'm so bad. Like, I I, I honestly have to look up how their playoff format goes because I don't really know that right now because I'm not covering them. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's like multiple games in the first round and then you go to, like, a knockout round or whatever, but I'm just excited they won. Um, the, the, the stadium, you should come up here sometime and go to a game at lower.com. Because it is just rocking. Like it, it's about a tw- eighteen to twenty thousand seat uh, facility. Really? They brand new, like the, two years ago, and they put it downtown Columbus, so it's right by Nationwide Arena. And uh, like, so you have a nice little skyline of the, you know, of the of downtown Columbus in the background, and mm-hmm. it feels sort of like it sort of looks like a Premier League stadium, only way smaller. Like the the Premier League stadiums are so huge, but like when you look at it from the outside, it's like this big, like you know, kind of sweeping angles and things like that. And it's like, oh wow, that's pretty cool. And and they keep the pitch up obviously really well. So anyway, I I could talk about the crew all day, but uh, you know, they beat they won in thirty degree weather last night. Cucho Hernandez with a great goal, uh, and so I was happy to see that. But now we can talk about hockey because it is cold <laughs> and it is hockey weather. That's where that's where they get massive respect, though. They're playing footy in very cold weather. It's not very normal. But I should be up in Columbus soon. And of course, I will ring your phone first. I was supposed to be there now, actually. But my best uh, friend's boyfriend is from Ohio. And we have this whole plan and stuff. And then he's been here since Halloween and not going back yet. So I was like, all right, you kind of put a kink in our plans. But it's fine. It's very cold there. I'm not mentally prepared for it. It's 60 degrees here. And I'm in a leather jacket, a long sleeve Rolling Stones t-shirt and a hat like I've yeah. got to get my blood back. But as you mentioned, 
to get into hockey. We're both trying to catch up on sleep. That's part of the part that's rocked my world this season. I don't know why out of all seasons, this one's felt the least um, capable of just having any sort of sleep. It's like yes. the moment I catch my breath, something else is happening. Both of us had interesting starts to the season. You know, you guys had a coaching change. You guys had some some situations heading into a season that was really highly anticipated after getting a guy like Adam Fantilli and just a lot of excitement, health back on your side. Uh, for us, it was the surprise surgery of Vasilevsky. Um, last time we talked, we talked about the high hopes regarding this team, especially if they're healthy. Where have the where have you seen the team improve so far from like the offseason conversations to now being what four weeks into the season? Yeah, it's it's really interesting because um, you know you mentioned the coaching change and that became like a that was a an international story as soon as it happened. You know, with the you know everyone knows who Mike Bob- Babcock is, everyone sort of knows the background uh, before he got hired by Columbus. You know, with with some of the things that happened in Toronto and Detroit with the bullying and all that. Um, so to have that happen. I mean, literally within less than a week before training camp starts. Um, at that point, uh, I mean, this thing could have gone off the rails right away. And I think that they would have been in danger of that happening, potentially. Had they not already had Pascal, Pazzi, Vincent uh, on staff, uh, you know, Pascal Vincent is a guy who has coached for what 30 plus years, uh, just not at the NHL level. He was an AHL coach for five years with Winnipeg before he came here as the, as Brad Larson's associate coach. Uh, he spent many years in the QMJHL, uh, you know, as a coach and a GM at the time, um, won awards like for coach and GM of the year there. He's a very intelligent guy. Um, uh, I kind of felt like he should have been maybe like he maybe should have been a stronger candidate two years ago when they hired Larson, um, or also uh, you know if they were going to part ways with Larson, I thought maybe they they should hire him this time, uh, just promote him again. But I think that when you looked at the optics of it, you know, and it was like all right, we're we're already firing, we're moving on from a first time coach who we promoted from the last coach. Are we really going to do that again? And what's our fan base going to say if we just promote the next guy up again and and it doesn't work out or whatever? So I think I think they were kind of constrained by the optics of those things. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's where it gets difficult in choosing a coach. And they and they also this this, they have an owner here who he wants to win. Uh, He wants to get, you know, get a a winning team back again. And I think that they were uh, under a little more pressure. Because this is a team, I don't know if they're ready to win, 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 you know, like like maybe the owner would like them to, uh, or and not just the owner, fans, and everything else would like them to. I don't know if they're ready yet. They are so they are still so very young, yeah. um, and they're, and they are learning. Um, but when so I think that when they're like looking for a coach instead of looking for like a, hey, who's gonna be the best fit for these this young great team that we have? I think they're looking like who's the best winner that's out there. And I think that they looked and said, you know what? Mike Babcock knows how to win. He's got 700 wins. Uh, he knows what he's doing. He's going to make, he's going to clear things up on the defensive end uh, right away, which should make our goalie better. Like all these things, these calculations went into it with the Mike Babcock hire. And then it blows up. It just blows up in spectacular fashion. Just, you know, fashion. Uh, <laughs> gosh, it was just like, you know, mushroom cloud fashion. It was really bad. And uh, so here you are, and you're the team 
like the season's about to start and you you have a mushroom cloud on the horizon. What are you going to do? And they they I mean it was so obvious as soon as the as soon as Mike Babcock resigned, the first thought in my head was, well, they're just gonna promote Pascal Vincent. Like Pazzy's gonna finally get his shot to be a coach. And that's exactly what happened. And he has he has so far been exactly how I expected him to be. Like when we talked to him the last two years, every time you get done talking to him, you'd say, Oh, that guy's going to be a head coach for somebody in this league. Like, yeah, I don't know if it'll be here, but it's going to be somebody really prepared. He's like, he's been preparing for this moment his whole life, basically his whole adult life. And so now he's got his team and, you know, like it's not the way he wanted it. It's not anybody, any, any way that it, that it was supposed to happen, but we can't control things, how things happen in life. A lot of times, right. We just have to take, take advantage of the opportunities that come to our doorstep. And that's where Pascal Vincent is right now. I mean, opportunity came knocking to his door. The blue jackets were forced to give him this opportunity. And I, but they also knew that they had a good coach as well. Like they, they're very, 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 very lucky. They had a good coach. And so instead of this thing blowing up, uh, they had a pretty good training camp. Um, and they actually got off to a really good start. Uh, you know, they were, I think they were as, they're on a four game winless streak right now um, in which the first two games were overtime losses that they probably should have won both of them or could have easily won. Um, But, you know, before the four game stretch there, they they were like right up at the top of the metropolitan division. It's only, it's super early. It's a small sample size, all that kind of stuff, but they were showing through a stretch that, you know, Pascal Vincent's style is is what what he really wants. And you'll appreciate this because of of your soccer background. I feel like, I feel like, like, you know, do you know, like if you're talking soccer, do we know, like if I were to say total soccer, Mm -hmm. you kind of know what that that term is, right? Yeah. That's, that's ultimately what he wants the Blue Jackets to become as a hockey team, like supporting each other all over the ice. Like true. All the zones are connected. They like he keeps talking about how we want to connect them all, and they yeah, not focusing on your own identity, your own zone, your own path, or whatever. It's funny not to be a complete geek right now, but they also did bring the total soccer reference into Ted Lasso. For anyone who watched Ted Lasso and wants a more descriptive idea of what that looks like, it's all hands on deck in the back. Mm-hmm. Well, and then and I loved how they did it in Ted Lasso, where they they used um, uh, like text. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the triangles and stuff like that, like the with the Chicago Bulls with Tex Winter and you know the triangle offense and stuff like that. I thought it was a wonderful way to, to kind of explain what they were trying to, to the point they're trying to get across. That's yeah. ultimately what what Pascal Vincent is trying to do. I love um, that here in Columbus. And what's really interesting, he he even said in training camp, he was like, "This is going to be." And oh, I'm sorry. Part of this also is like when they're in the defensive end or defensive zone. Um, they like you do have left wing, right wing, center, but in his system, he's he said this numerous times. He's like, we only have left wing, center, right wing at the face off. Like when there's a playoff, the face off and stuff like that. 
after the faceoff, he goes, we have three forwards. That's it. And so basically it can be a little confusing and, you know, because like who does what or whatever, but, and he said this, he called the shot and he goes, this is going to be confusing for a while. It's going to take these guys a little while to get it. But when they get it, he goes, you're going to see it because they'll get it. And we're going to be able to be up and down the ice as fast as possible because all of a sudden the, the puck will be out behind the net and whoever's closest is like, I'll do it. I got it. I'm set. And then the other two guys are like, okay, I'm the wings. We're, we're flying, you know? And mm-hmm. so, it, it's so interesting because they did struggle with it starting out pretty badly and they weren't winning battles. They weren't winning one-on-one battles. And he's, this guy is, he's a super nice guy, but, and he's like, he's very respectful to the players, but he's also intent on winning and he is not going to be like afraid of them at all. So like they had, to, they got shut out against the Red Wings in game three, I think. And he was just like, okay, like they had a day off and then it was another practice. And that practice was maybe the, one of the toughest practices I've ever seen in my life. Like it was all, yeah, it was all about winning battles though. Like it was all about skating and winning one-on-one battles. Cause his whole point was if we're not going to win battles, it doesn't matter what system we run. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter. Like we could run the best system in the world, but if you guys are losing all the battles, the other team has the puck all the time. It doesn't really matter. Right. right. So they f- sorted that out. And then you started to see the system work because they were winning battles and they were starting to get out of their defensive end really fast. And it was like, oh, wow, like it, it's not perfect. And it's not I mean, they have a lot of work to do to become more consistent. But like you can start to see the the threads of what he's trying to do. And you're like, this might work. Like, like if they get this over time, this might work. And then if it does, he's trying to make them an aggressive team that is always attacking always attacking together in units all over the ice, you know? And so it's been a really, I mean, we're only nine games into it and it's just been a very fascinating process to watch because I think it is going to work eventually, but mm-hmm. you, you still don't know a little bit and they have, they have some question marks. Yeah. And I, 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 first of all, I appreciate you painting those pictures there because it's just led me to so many questions. The first one being like, what's meant to be is meant to be. And it feels like this, ended up playing out for for the Columbus Blue Jackets perfectly because you've got talented players we've talked about this so much you and I and you've got players that not only have speed but they have the ability to be physical one of those top guys who he's fast and he's going to make you pay for it if you catch up to him Adam Fantelli so to have a coach come in and start kind of replicating this soccer style system on the ice you know I think he's got the right people to make it work but now it's just going against the timetable is there anything though because of how quickly and I want to say sporadically the coaching change had to come about do you see any lingering parts of Babcock's style or anything that he started to implement that the team is still either sorting through or still utilizing um you kind of talked about his focus on the d zone there something else that this team kind of needed to take a stride in well, they all still have their cell phones in their hands. So <laughs> that's a good start. I couldn't help it. I couldn't help it. It's so bad. But it, it, the players, first of all, I credit Boone Jenner so much for just trying to be such a stoic guy in a very awkward situation because, like, he could have been, a, you know, more loose lipped about it and known that the reputation was going to kind of handle itself kind of thing but he tried to be so stoic as a leader as a person as an individual and then of course it hasn't particularly been leaked who the players were texting you know spitting chicklets but still you got to make light of it now and i think i think that two things could be true as well i i think that a lot of the older players maybe had a different experience with that whole situation than maybe the younger players had 
And uh, that's sort of how things work sometimes. And, and, you know, if that's the case, then Boone Jenner's experience, he, he's looking at it going, well, this was no big deal. Right. Uh, I didn't think it was a big deal. But some other guy who may be younger and didn't have the same kind of pleasant experience was like, yeah, it is a big deal. And so I think when he found that out and other older guys found that out, it was like, okay, we're unified. One of the, one of their big things is, I mean, not to get too off track, but one of the big things when they started this thing and, and Pascal Vincent made sure to, to make this a huge emphasis in camp was we have each other's backs. Like we are all together. We're going to win together. We're going to lose together. It's all team stuff. Cause you know what team sports is all about. I mean, like that's the teams who aren't that way. Like you're never going to win. Like it will never happen. And so you cannot be a divided team that way. So they did a good job kind of rallying the troops a little bit around the Babcock situation. Um, but I think because, well, I know we, Babcock was only here 78 days and they were 78 days in the off season. So, he didn't really have any impact on the team because he did like other than these meetings and, and now he did meet with uh, Pascal Vincent and other members of what was going to be his coaching staff here. Right. And uh, I remember Pascal saying um, when he took over, like, he's like, I didn't know Mike Babcock from Adam. I didn't know him at all. I uh, just knew the name. Uh, he goes, but when we talked, we had a lot more similarities in how we wanted to play the game than I realized we would have. And so he was like, we had a lot of, so like a lot of the things that they game plan for in the, in the off season are pretty much still the same. I mean, he's made his own tweaks and everything, but they're, but they're very similar to what Mike Babcock was going to try and do here. Okay, uh, cool. I will say this, uh, and there's, this has not been proven at all or, or whatever, but like, you can kind of see the fingerprints on there a little bit. Um, I don't think Mike Babcock takes this job in the first place. If they don't go out and get Damon Severson, and they don't get go out and get uh, Ivan Provorov, you know, because I think because I know I know him from his previous stops, and the, the defense here was too young. It was just so young and not as not experienced enough. So I guarantee, I almost guarantee, like, hey, you go out and get me some veteran defensemen, then then I'll then we'll talk. You know, kind of one of those things. So it wouldn't surprise me if it came out someday that you know those two moves in particular were influenced by you know Mike Babcock wanting wanting to come here and, and uh, take the job here. So I guess from that aspect, if that were, if there's any truth to that, um, those two guys are intricate parts of the Blue Jackets defense now. And, uh, and, and they're both, I think they're both doing pretty well. I mean, Provorov's off to, he's got like seven assists in the first nine games. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Years, correct. Yeah. And well, and he's also paired on the second pairing with a rookie who's like 19 years old, David Yurichek. Um, and, and your check is showing flashes of what he may become someday, but he's still a rookie, right? So it's hard working on, um, you know, consistency and things like that. And I was talking to Provorov the other day about playing with him and it, he was really good. And he said, he's like, well, I remember when I was in junior, this is Provorov talking. He's like, I remember when I was in junior and I was coming out, he goes, when I was in junior, he's like, I was just, he goes, I hate to say it, but better than everybody else as far than most of the other players. So he goes, I could always skate the puck out of the out of the defensive end. It's like I never had to like chip it out. Like that was never even an option. I either passed it out because I had a guy going up the ice who was wide open, or I just skated it out myself. He goes, but you come to the NHL and now there's people that are like right on you and they're like talented and they're grown men and they're coming after the puck like with steam coming out of their ears. He's like, you have to learn to you know, basically live to fight another day sometimes, not always, but like there are times when it's okay to just chip it out of the zone 
and reset, you know, breathe. Like, yeah, breathe <laughs> a little bit. And so like, you know, that's a, that's a process that process that a young defenseman has to go through. And so I think your check started going through that now and Provorov's kind of helping them along, but they're a pairing. That's the second pairing. And, and Provorov has been really good on the power play. I think that's where he's been getting most of his assists. He's got about set. Like I say, he's got seven assists in nine games. The top pairing is very interesting as well. Uh, you have Zach Wierenski on the left and you have Damon Severson on the right. And Severson got off to a really rough start, like a tough start here. He was turning the puck over a lot. Um, and it just basically turned out that he was trying to do too much. Like he signed this big contract. It was like an eight year, $50 million contract. I'm he's sure he's, <laughs> he's 29 years old. So I'm sure that he's hearing people talk about how that's too much money and all this other stuff. Well, so he wants to live up to the contract and say, Hey, I am worth this much. So I think he was trying to do a little too much instead of just being Damon Severson, who's who they wanted him to be. So he, he ended up getting benched for the whole third period against the Red Wings. Uh, Pazzy Vincent just sat him down and, and then basically explained to him, this is why it happened. We just need you to be Damon Severson. And it was like turning on and off a light. Like as soon as, as soon as that, that was all explained and everything, the next game, he was just like, well, I'm just going to work on making like the plays that are ahead of me instead of trying to force stuff. He's been phenomenal. He's been really good since then, like really good. And just scored his first goal as a blue jacket last game in Dallas. Um, and then Wierenski, he had, I mean, he missed almost all of last year. It was like all but 13 mm -hmm. games. So he comes in this year and he's got a ton of rust. Like it, it's, I mean, he's still Zach Wierenski, but just a lot of rust in his game. And like the, he got hurt in the first game on, I'm just going to call it a dirty hit. It was a bad hit by Garnett mm -hmm. Hathaway. Um, it was like led with his knee and everything. And, but luckily it didn't keep him out too long, like two or three games. But he was like, when he came back, he's like, well, he's like, I was mainly just angry that game because I was playing so poorly. He's like, you know, it's, it's frustrating. I have all this rust. And he's like, I'm so, I want to be who I am. So he comes back after the injury and he's been really good. Like he had a, he had a kind of a tough night in Dallas. Uh, Dallas is a really good team, by the way. They're, yes. they're really good. They're going to be contenders all over again. I they're going to make, yes, they're going to make a lot of teams feel like they had a bad night. Um, and, <laughs> but I mean, overall, Wierenski, Severson is your top pairing. And I got to tell you, like, you know, if it works out, that could be like a, at least for three or four years more, that could turn out to be their top pairing. If, um, if all things work out the way they want them to, I think eventually they wouldn't mind if, if obviously if your check works his way up to the top pairing and then maybe Severson pairs with, uh, with Provorov or whoever they have in the left because Provorov's only got this year and next year before he's an unrestricted free agent. Um, you know, feel able to resign, but like right now for this season, those are your top four, like your, your top four defensemen and they've been playing pretty good. And then that third pairing, you have Jake Bean and Erica Branson, who's kind of dealing with a foot injury, uh, blocked a shot two games ago, but those guys have been steady as well as a third pairing. So like all the stuff that was given them major problems last year because of injuries, because of inexperience, because all that stuff. I'm not going to say it's been fixed, fixed, you know, but it's it's definitely better than it was. When they're going, they are able to get out of their zone like that. Like it, like they're able to get out just the way that, that Pascal Vincent wants them to. And uh, it'll be interesting because I know the Lightning have a really good forecheck. They're a yeah. great team. They're still a great team. So it's going to be a challenge to see, you know, how they, they handle that forecheck. 
and and whether the the D can help him get out of there and up the ice and and put some pressure on uh, on the uh, the Lightning goalie. Do you know who's starting? Because I haven't had a chance to check that. Uh, it's Tom, Tomkins is going in between okay. the pipes tonight. And no matter how many times or how slow I say the word Tom Tomkins, <laughs> it still it's sounds hard. like he is in there. But goodness, yes, Tomkins will be between the yes. pipes. Um, he played in Ohio, so that's a whole you know storyline and, and cute point for all of this. He's only seen one other game though, let up about four goals, um, thirty three saves out of thirty seven shots against. So it'll be interesting. Columbus will, will have a little bit of a of, of a breathing chance there, depending on how the Lightning respond to somebody else being behind them, because their acclimation period tends to be a bit of a thing. But before we fully dive into that. Um, I will say that I agree with you. I think that this team is trending in the right direction. They've already put the the blocks in place to kind of um, make those corrections from last season. I mean, you came in and you had a, a top game toward against the Rangers, a top game against the Wild, a top game against Calgary. So these aren't teams that should ever be taken lightly in any sense. So coming off to a good start and showing that, like, Maybe you got to knock the rust off. It's like my golf game. You know, sometimes I go out there and I think I'm good. And then I can't get out of my head after one bad, one bad swing can ruin like the next six holes for me. So the mental aspect is a huge contributing factor. I've been seeing you golfing. I've been seeing you golfing and I'm like, I'm oh. jealous because you, because you live in like an area where you can go golfing like year round, oh, you know, I meant to get my golf game going this summer, and I was like, I was like, I was intent on it. I was like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get golfing this year, and I didn't go one time because I was so busy. But like no, next, no, it's criminal, Brian. It's criminal. Yes. Next if summer, you, I'm, go I'm golfing. You know? Yes, and if you travel for some games, just sneak away for a minute. Just give yourself nine holes. We have so many good three par nine hole courses here that are just quick little practices in and out. Yep. And that was my commitment to myself for sanity since we're not sleeping. Um, but you kind of touched on the lightning uh, matchup tonight. The guys are in Columbus. And the first thing that comes to mind when I started looking at these comparisons, these news numbers, figures, is the fact that the Tampa Bay Lightning don't do well when their opponent outshoots them. Um, we just saw Monday the Seattle Kraken in the first period alone outshot the Lightning 20-9. to nine. Uh, We saw it with the Maple Leafs, and this is the, mo the best comparison I can think of. When I chatted with some Maple Leafs media, they were saying the fact that the Maple Leafs didn't have much of a forecheck. They were getting off a lot of shots, but they weren't getting that puck luck. Nothing really getting towards the net or getting into the goal. Then they play the Lightning, who allow all these shots on goal, and then all of a sudden it turns in their favor. I'm scared that that could be something that uh, ends up repeating itself tonight because you guys are averaging well over 31, 32 shots a night. And this team is, you know, kind of barely breaking the mold on 28. What are your thoughts on 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 that and that being a vantage point for the Blue Jackets? Well, it is interesting. We got like it's uh, it feels like there's going to be they're kind of coming to a loggerheads of some sorts uh, uh, tonight because the Blue Jackets, uh, while they have been out shooting teams and it wasn't the first three games, they actually struggled quite a bit the first three. But the next six. Uh, I think they just got outshot the last maybe two games, but not by much. Like there was a stretch of four in there where they, like I said, it was almost like, I feel like these first nine games, uh, do you like Christmas movies? Have you, uh, have you, did, yeah. Uh, so Christmas vacation is my favorite one. Okay. And my, favorite, my favorite scene is the one with the, uh, where he's trying to light the, the house up and he keeps going <laughs> like this and it never goes. And then someone in the back. Like, off, right. Yeah, flips the light on and he's like, 
like that. And it goes on for like 30 seconds and then it goes off and he's like, no, I feel, I feel like that was the blue jackets in the first nine games. It was like great reference there. Couldn't, couldn't get the lights to go on in the first three. Then all of a sudden they're blinding everybody for four games and then they go off again for another two. And, and you know, Pazzy's like, oh. so uh, we'll see what happens tonight. Like, Again, I do feel like that that shining house is out there. They just have to figure out how to turn that light on, and that the fact that 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 light is is what's doing it. So they they need like a um, what's her name uh, uh, Griswold, they need Mrs. Griswold to to come in and find the light switch at the back and turn it on. Keep it on. Keep so it on. Yeah, keep it on, and then and then it's gonna start uh, you know eating everybody's power up. So anyway. Uh, be the game. I mean, like, like, so uh, you're right. The the Lightning have a tendency to be outshot so far, uh, mm-hmm. but they are a veteran team. And sometimes those veteran teams could be wily and sneaky where, you know, if they have guys like Kucherov and, and uh, Stammer and all these guys who are just so experienced and so good at, at Braden Point, he's a Blue Jackets killer. You know, yes. even though you might not get a lot of shots, if they're taking quality shots, if they're getting quality, they're going to make those count. Like you're probably going to get goals just off those. So like, that's the danger for the blue jackets. The flip side is at some point you would think that it's going to be a watershed type of moment where all these shots are like, Oh, there's a goal. There's another goal. There's a goal. You know what I mean? Johnny Gaudreau doesn't have a goal right now. You know, it's nine games. <clears throat> yeah. This is the long, this is the longest he's gone into his career at the start of a uh, season without a goal. Um, you know, you have a number of Zach Wierenski has one goal as an empty net goal from about 150 feet away. You know, like he's been kind of pressing. You have a lot of guys who've been pressing, so they need some, they need to see the puck go in the net. One thing, uh, so, uh, Kirill Marchenko who had 21 goals in about, was it 59 games last year as a rookie? Uh, favorites. We talked about him this summer. Yes, we did. He's been scratched for the last two games, uh, and he's coming back in tonight. Uh, uh, Matthew Olivier is going to be a uh, healthy scratch tonight. So uh, Marchenko's coming back in. He doesn't have a goal yet. And now he's got some assists, but he doesn't have a goal. So, you know, he's going to be looking to score tonight as well. So uh, they got a lot of guys who are hungry to score them. And if they can get back to, like I said, flip that light switch on, uh, you, you might be able to see another high uh, shot volume uh, tonight. Yeah, which is going to be interesting if it comes down to it. Now, within that whole shot volume conversation and what we could expect versus what might happen, the next thing that I wanted to address for the Columbus Blue Jackets, penalty kill, not too bad. Power play, what's going on on the, on the power play? Yeah, it's interesting. They uh, both Neither one of them got off to like a great start. Uh, mm-hmm. in the first three games, the power play or the, like you said, the penalty kill has really come on. They, if <clears throat> they're doing, uh, it's their, a lot of it's their forwards, their, their defense, the defensemen are, are what they are. They're really good at blocking shots. They know how to take shot lanes away and clear rebounds and stuff like that, but they have forwards. So like they, they run them out in pairs of two and it's not just like two pairs of two. It's like three or four pairs of two. And so, like, the guys are not – once they clear a puck down, there's a new set of two guys coming on, and they're causing havoc because they've got a lot of guys who can skate, right? right. So, you have, the, like, Jack Rosovic, who I haven't even talked about him yet, and it, he was a guy this summer that we talked about. And remember I said, like, well, you never know. He might be on the way out or something like that. 
Yep. That guy, he's a unre- he's a pending unrestricted free agent from Columbus, and uh, I, you know what? He played for Pascal Vincent in the AHL with the Manitoba Moose, and right. so a lot of people don't realize that. And so Pascal Vincent has seen. We've asked him about it, and he's like. Jack Grosvick was a horse. Like he was like one of our, it was him and uh, it wasn't JT Comfer. It was, uh, who's it? Kyle Connor. He's like, it was, uh, it was him and Kyle Connor. And he goes, they led our team basically. Like every night they were the best players out there. He goes, so I know he has it in him. And he just has to do it. So he's been doing this. And like, this guy is an elite, elite skater. Like he's very fast and he's got great edges. So you're running him out there, Alexander Texier, I mean, another great skater. Those guys are causing all kinds of havoc. As soon as the puck goes down to the other end of the rink, it's like you'll see them. They'll just be buzzing around, you know, trying to cause havoc and make it really hard to bring the puck back up the ice. Um, and they're also getting on guys in the zone uh, and, and forcing bad shots or passes, and then it's out. So the pe- the penalty kill is doing very well that way. Also, Elvis Merzlikens has been doing a, a really good job mm-hmm. of uh, – of being a penalty killer and making saves he needs to make the flip side, the power play was really tough to, it, again, it was, it was bad. It was bad to start out. They have been a lot better since, and now they are missing Patrick line. A again, another dirty hit in the um, Calgary game that has been talked about ad nauseum. We have to go into it here, but it was a bad hit. He's out, um, but <clears throat> they're missing him. And so well, another little interesting kind of, tweak that Pascal Vincent uh, and also Mark Recchi, who they hired here um, as his uh, you know offensive assistant slash power play guy. One thing they've done is they have decided we don't really have a one and a two power play unit. We're just not, we're not going to do that. We're not doing this thing where the first unit is these guys and you're going to get a minute and a half of it. And then the other guys get the last 20 seconds or whatever, like that ain't going to happen. So, they are just basically like, who do we think has the hot hand? Like they, they've split all their talent onto, on almost equally onto two of them. And right now, the quote unquote second unit, the one that usually comes over second, they're outscoring the top guys by about four goals right now. So no way. Yeah, and it's uh, it's it's Emil Bemstrom, another guy, another name. Where this is another guy this summer, where we talked, I said this could, there could be some guys shipped out of here. Well, it was like Prosovic and Bemstrom, right? Those mm-hmm. guys have. They have both come to camp motivated, um, ready to prove themselves, and they have. And so, like, it, what it's done is it's caused kind of a logjam. <clears throat> they don't know who – like, like Eric Robinson used to be a regular. He's in the AHL right now, you know. Uh, Liam Foody was a regular last year. He got put on waivers and was claimed by Nashville. Like, they, it, they don't have room for all the guys that they have that could play bottom six roles in the mm-hmm. NHL or in Bemstrom's case and Rousevic, they're both in the top six now and they're on the power plays and they're both playing well. So that second unit second, uh, I mean, it's got like Bemstrom. I think that's the one with um, Provorov is running the point. Uh, I think you have uh, Kent Johnson out there. You know, you, you have, you have talent on both of them. And so they're trying to make it equal and be like, so that way, like, Everything like last year when Pascal Vincent ran the power play here, like he was the main assistant or main uh, offensive assistant and ran the power play. He's all about deception, right? So he's moving like he likes to have uh, like when Line is healthy, Line A and Gaudreau will like 
inner switch sides and this is how we met last year when you were explaining you guys um changing up parts of the power play goody being like wanting to be on one side which was lana's side and then kind of finding that sweet spot so both then get into the scoring action that's why i was excited to ask you about the power play yes and so they're still doing that but like it is interesting now that lana's been out for a little bit uh goudreau just basically is on the left side of one of the power play units and like i think he's had a little bit of bad luck like he's he's uh He's doing Johnny Gaudreau things like he's he's setting up passes and things like that. Like we forget. I mean, he had 100 and was it 19 points or 115 points or something. He had a lot of goals uh, that year, but he wasn't predominantly a goal scorer. He's more of a goal setter upper guy, you know, like you do want him to get score some goals, obviously. But like you you just got to get him feeling good in that rhythm of setting everyone else up and. He's done doing a pretty good job of that, I think, on the um, power play. But he is pressing a little bit right now. It's interesting with their power plays, though, because they do send one in, and then it's like they get one crack at it, and if the puck comes out, those guys are off, and the next unit's on with about a minute left. And so they're each getting about a minute to do some stuff. And I think it's – I mean, if at the very least it gives the opposing PK, okay, who are these guys? What are they going to try and do? You know, that kind of – yeah, it's it's trying to, to change it up a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. And for another little soccer nugget for this show, since we're doing so, um, the guy setting up the assist is more important than your goal score all day, every day, because if you can't get the ball to your skilled players, then you're just out there doing absolutely nothing. So Goodrow has a, a, a purpose for sure. And sometimes it's still very early for all these guys to see where the spark's going to go, which kind of brings me to our game predictions. Now I, I look at the numbers and are you an eye test person or a statistical person? Let's start with that. I like to be a combo. I, I do. I tend to, th- I do like the statistics a lot. Right. Um, especially, I don't know if you've been, have you been delving into the NHL edge stuff? Oh my gosh. I started to, but it's such a rabbit hole for me. Cause I'm a nerd. Like I see these numbers and then I, I have to something else and something else. And like, yeah, it's a, it's a dark hole for me. It's too. a great way to lose about three hours. And you're like, where three did those last three hours? hours. Yes. Right. I'm like, I did it the other night and I was like looking up every Blue Jackets guy, every guy in the league and like doing comparisons. And um, now, and, and I've been talking to guys in the locker room about it a little bit too. It is funny. I like uh, Wierenski walked by me the other day and I said, Hey, there's a Blue Jackets fastest skater. And he was like, He just kind of laughed and he goes, Oh, you've been looking at NHL Edge, huh? And I said, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cause he's got like his, he's the top uh, um, like, sustained speed guy for them at like 23 and a half miles an hour. Um, It is insane. And it's crazy. Like when you look at it, he's such a big guy, six, three, he's put on some muscle, you know, over the years. So he's just this like really big guy. And you think like, when you see a big person out on the ice, you you don't always think they're moving fast, but (laughs) Oh, he can cook. He can cook. He can really get going, you know? And, and so he's the fastest skater. And like, I had no idea with that. Cause I was looking at it going like, you know, I'm just trying to watch the game. I'm not looking like who's got, you know, another one, you mentioned Adam Fantilli. Mm-hmm. Adam Fantilli is in the 90th or like, like I guess the 99th percentile right now of the league in speed bursts over 20 miles an hour. Like that does the, not surprise me from when I looked at his college stuff. Though. Oh, yeah, you're right. You're exactly. So like, the league average for his position is something like six or seven over the span of like nine games. He's got like 38. It's oh. in, it's insane. Like he's just speed bursting all over the, all over the ice basically. 
<laughs> he's blowing up all over the ice. I mean, he's, it's, he's, he's bursting really all over the ice. I'll never say anything about Vinzilli again until I use that as the opening reference. Yeah, have you seen Adam? He's speed bursting all over the place. He is all over the place. He's a speed burst king. Um, but it is it is interesting. Those are some interesting uh, stats. So I'm sorry. I always get us off tracks here. So uh, I it's am a to stay with you. Don't worry about it. I know. I, I am a stat person, but I do. I sometimes feel like or a lot of times feel like the stats sort of just back up the eye test. Right. So like you right. watch it and you but it's not always the case. That's not always the case. Sometimes the eye test. You think one thing and then you see the stats, and you're like, ooh, I was wrong on that one. So I, that's why I do like the the statistical comparison there. To do both. I, I got a my family member putting a menu ticket in between my door to ask if I want food. So that's where my um I love it. Yes, I do want uh, some steak today, but I'm the same way. I, I love both looking and diving into the statistics and then kind of like gearing my eye test off of that because, you know, there's so many games in this league. So you never know if the stats are going to line up with that particular game or kind of uh, unravel itself as time goes on, which brings me to the fact that it appears like the Blue Jackets have stronger first periods. Um they post like the second most amount of shot attempts on goal, but they also put up most of their goals in the first period. First period has been not so great in some glimmers for the Tampa Bay Lightning. Um, but then what stuck out to me the most is it looks like the Blue Jackets are big rally team in the third period, which has kind of been a specialty for the Lightning. So are we looking at a big potential third period today if it takes a minute to get things going or if things remain neck and neck through those first 40? It, it might, um, you know, going back to last year, the Jackets have really, like, they, they have struggled a bit in the second period. And that plays into exactly what you just talked about. Like that, I don't know what it is, if it's the long change, you know, and they get kind of pinned in their own end and things like that. That, that can really screw with you as far as, you know, line changes and things like that. They, I know they've struggled with that in the past. Um, so, but their focus, uh, what, what Pascal Vincent was, is really trying to get them to understand and play is the cliche full 60. Right. Like, like we have to put a full, like he's trying to really ingrain it. Like, Hey, we're not good enough to be like a lightning team or a, like a former Blackhawks team in the back of the day when they're winning all the cups or anything where like, I don't want to say you can put it on cruise control, but like if you have a, an off period, it's not that big of a deal because right. you can always just turn it on and turn it off because you know how to do that now because you're experienced. That's not the Blue Jackets. Like the Blue Jackets are very young right now, and he's just he wants them to have it full go all the time. In fact, today I asked him uh, after his media availability in the morning, <clears throat> I said, you know, you guys have little, I, you've you've had morning availabilities for for press um, every game, obviously. But like you haven't had, you've only had one actual morning skate, and that was a day. That was after a day that where they didn't practice, and oh, I was wow. like, yeah. So I was like, every time you guys practice, and then you have a game the next day, there's no skate, and there's nobody getting on the ice. And I'm like, is that by design? And he goes, yes. And I said, is this like a energy conservation thing? And he said, yes. And then he explained, like, what I love about this guy is like, he's always got an expert. Like he wants you to, he's like a professor. He wants you to understand why. So his whole thing I was, appreciate yeah. And so he basically said, he goes, he goes, let's just say that, you know, these guys, he goes throughout the course of a year, every team, every guy is hurt. Every guy's injured or whatever, at whatever point. So he goes, let's just pick a random number. We'll pick 90%. We'll just say that they, they come to the rink and they're at 90%, right? He goes, so 
Now you're going to put on your gear. Now you're going to go out and skate. Now you're going to you know do this. You're going to stretch. You're going to do all these things. He goes, if that takes even 3%, now you're going into the game and you're only at 87 or 86. Wow. And, he's, and he's like, I want it to be 90. Like if you only have 90, I want it to be a full 90 when we get going so that we can play a full 60 at, at night. And he goes, and I love it. I mean, there's a coach in him. He's like, if it doesn't work, I'll just change it. And then we'll go for six all the time, you know, but this is his theory and he's working through this and he's going to see how it works. And, you know, let's face it. Players don't like to skate all the time in the morning. They, no. like, they, they come in and they get their meetings done. They go through video and then they, you know, talk to us and then they go home. Uh, and, and get to us. No, yes. and you're totally right. Because at a certain point of the season, even typically, you know, around this time, you start seeing a lot more optional morning skates versus the mandatory morning skate. Uh, especially if they get a chance to get a practice in at least within a 48-hour, 72-hour window. So, yeah, these guys don't want to be out there. I love that breakdown, though. I would I would be somebody hanging on his every word for these explanations because I'm just such a pick-the-brain kind of person. Um, don't want to keep you too much longer because, as I mentioned, you're on the ground. It is a game night for both of us. But give me your uh, your prediction. You got a steak coming. You got, you got a steak coming. All so. way. Yeah. <laughs> At least my family likes to feed me. Thank God. Um, yes. Yeah. Your game prediction. And then while you're maybe walking me through your game prediction, if you want to start thinking of your too early to tell three stars of the night. I love doing this. I did it with Lindsay okay. Riley for the Predators game, and it was actually a fun one. All right. Well, for game prediction, um, I'm going to go with an overtime game here. Because the I Blue Jackets, you're doing two. Yeah, I do. I feel like that because I feel like the Blue Jackets, like they're on this four-game bender where it's it's not going right, and they need to get points. Um, and, and two of those games, the first two, they played well, and it got to overtime. And one area that they're learning to get better at uh, is like if they let's say they lose a lead they, they don't they, they're trying to work on not losing the lead obviously in the third period but if they do they're not letting it they haven't so far let it spin completely out of control and so like it, they're keeping it tied and they're getting a point like when it's late in the in the third there's five minutes left six minutes left previous years a couple of years they would they would give up another goal and then there goes both points or whatever the best teams, and I learned this when I covered the Blackhawks with Joe Quenville as their coach, and he really emphasized this. You just do not do stupid things if the game is tied within the last like eight minutes. For him, it's like eight to ten minutes. Yeah. Just get a point, and because you're going to get your share of second points in overtime if you can just get it to overtime. Like that's just the nature of the three on three. Like you're. Mm -hmm. You may have one season where you're amazing at it, but most times it's going to be kind of even, you know, so get your point, make sure you get your point, And then, you know, uh, whoever gets the second point gets it, whatever. So they've been getting better at that. So I, I think that it might go, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it goes overtime. <clears throat> and I think because they need a win, uh, I'm going to, I am going to go with the jacket. Although it's hard to pick the jackets when, when I think about the other side and I think about overtime and I think about like, Kucherov being over there and point point is a blue jackets killer. Like he's Point's absolutely going to watch for tonight. Point Tanner Janot and Luke Glendening because Glendening has had a shorty versus uh the blue jackets. And this team has been like their penalty kill has just been outstanding. So I'm I'm just feel like it the shorthanded goal has to come eventually. Unfortunately, I'm I'm hoping it happens against you guys tonight. And it could be Glendening, it could be Brandon Hagel, who's had like four PK breakaways now. So Lord he's got knows. six goals, right? Uh, there's 10 points, Hagel. 
Six goals, four assists, ten points for Hagel. Wow. Like, that's pretty – okay, so Casey, you've talked me into it. I'm going to flip, and uh, I'm a flip-flopper here. And I'm going to I'm gonna pick the Lightning in overtime. I think it's going to be five to four. And I think Braden Point's going to score the goal the, in overtime to win it. Oh, I like this a lot. I like this a lot. So and, oh, 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 and because he scores the go overtime game winner, he's going to be my first star. Oh, okay. That, there we go. That's that where takes, I was. <laughs> that takes care of one of my first stars, or my one of my stars. I'm going to say Johnny Gaudreau uh, comes out of his shell tonight and has three points, and he's okay. going to be my he's my second star, and third star. I, I cannot, I, you know what? I can't do this without having Victor Hedman in there. Victor Hedman's going to be the third there. Yeah, he's a, he's still an amazing player. So he's been he's been so sprouty. I don't know if that's the greatest word that I'm looking for, but he's been back in rare form for a lot of this season, and like especially on the road, he's one of those hustlers that tries to keep these guys to stay disciplined and within their structure because road trips haven't been successful for the Bolts, especially this first one so far this season. So love him for a pick because if there's somebody that just keeps reeling the guys in and keeping them motivated, it's going to be Victor Hedman. Um, let's see, my three stars, I have to go with Braden Point as well. Okay. Um, just because of how he consistently plays against the Blue Jackets. I'm going to go take a little detour here and say that Tanner Janot either picks up another goal or has like a two-point night. Like, okay. I'm taking Janot for that. And then – the Gordie Howe hat trick. Huh? Does he get the Gordie Howe hat trick? Is he going to get a fight tonight too? You know, he hasn't really been fighting much. Yeah, and yeah, Olivier's well, out tonight. Olivier's out. So, like, that would be your normal fight guy. Yeah, uh, yeah. I don't know who he'd pick a fight with as, already on top of, like, not really fighting. Would I love okay. to see Gordie Howe uh, hat trick? Absolutely. Okay. All right. But, I, yeah, I'm not going to predict that. I think that okay. he still continues to be more mild manner because this team has brought down their penalties. Not saying that he was a big contributing factor in that, but they played a lot more discipline. Um my third star, I'm torn between saying the goaltender if they pull off the W or Mikey Acemont. I'm going to just go with Mikey Acemont. Um, okay. He has been such a great pest, uh, really quality for checking, but he's also the one guy who's taking the time consistently to try to find those different kinds of shots, jamming up the net. Nick Paul's doing it on the power play and stuff, but he's doing it more consistently through you know even strength, man advantage, whatever the case may be. And I just kind of feel like he might find his stride a little further tonight. So I'm taking point, Janot, AC Mont. You have point, Goodrow, and uh, Victor, Victor Hedman. Hedman. Yeah. There and we they're, go. They're, they're a different team without Victor Hedman. We, we, we see it every time. Every time he gets injured, they are a yeah. different team. Like, I'm, I, I, I hate to make it that simplistic, but they really are. Uh, you know, it. I, I'll tell you what, Blue Jackets fans are hoping for a reprise of two, 2019 and that John Cooper after the game will say this is a five-alarm fire that we have going on here and we, and we need to wake up or something like that. You know, like that was a fantastic quote, by the way, by Cooper. Oh, my gosh. But still something that, that hurts all of our souls, like extremely, extremely. I mean, we talked about it on the morning show today. They were like, how do you feel whenever you hear Blue Jackets? And I was like, I have a little PTSD. It's totally fine. But before I officially let you go, Brian, um, you did – you did leave me hanging asking how many players are still in the roster from the 2019 sweep. I need an answer. Okay. You, 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 you want to take a guess? Do you want to take a guess? I'm going to say five. Okay. You're close. Uh, it's well, I think it, well, wait a minute here. 
on the roster, it's four, but it was, uh, so we'll go through them. There was three that played in the series, uh, Boone Jenner, yes. uh, Zach Wierenski, and uh, the one everyone forgets is Alexander Texier. He was a rookie and he oh. played in that series and he actually had two goals in the clinching game, I believe. Uh, he was, he was really good in that series. The other two that were in town, I don't know if they were technically on the roster, but they were with it. They were, they had started their pro careers were Andrew Peak and uh, Elvis Merzlikens. Elvis had come over and he was like, he had like his own locker room at like nationwide arena. Like he wasn't even with the team or anything, but he was working out and stuff. So he was around to see that kind of stuff, but he wasn't playing. So those are the only five that, that can even remember that in person. This wow. is really interesting too, because like <clears throat> these last, I know I'm stretching on here. I'll make it as quick as I can. Well, but the, uh, the road trip that we were just on was in Dallas, right? So Dallas mm -hmm. has uh, Matt Duchesne, who was mm -hmm. part of that team. And so I went and talked to Dutchie and, uh, we had a great talk. And I basically said, you know, it, the whole thing was like, does it seem like super long ago or is it just whatever? And he's like, well, because it does seem like a long time ago. He goes, but honestly, he goes, you really think about it. He goes, that was like the, the highlight of my career so far. Like I, that, that's my one playoff win. He goes, I've never heard a building louder, like, th like this whole thing. And so we we're talking about all that stuff. And, <clears throat> you know, uh, it got me thinking like, you know how you hear really good players say, yeah, I love winning, but I hate losing more. Mm -hmm. You know, like there's that whole thing. I, I really do feel, and I don't know if they would ever admit it, but I do feel like the lightning have a little bit of that going on when they see the blue jackets. Like it doesn't matter that only three guys are still on the, on their team from that time. It's like, I they see that, feel. Oh, they see that logo and they're just like, want to kill him you know what i mean and it was funny i brought this up to pascal vincent yesterday after practice and i said do you, do you feel that i'm like i'm like you were with the manitoba moose you know like like cole sillinger was a 16 year old with medicine hat you know when all this stuff happened like and these guys are the ones that are going against the lightning now and you know they they're wearing the logo and the lightning are like i'm gonna kill you and they're just like what did i do I you know? do it. yeah what and, <laughs> it was hilarious and pasco was like he's like you know i never really thought about that that, that way and he goes maybe that is why they, they, they really kind of pick it up against us a little bit so um but it, it is interesting you know like that was that was by far it was a painful experience for the lightning obviously but like as pasco vincent pointed out yesterday and i think aptly so I think that loss really spurred the lightning on to win those next two cups. I really do. I feel like they, they learned from it. They learned what they needed to do. They learned that you couldn't just go waltzing in there after a great season and expect to just everyone to lay down for you. It wasn't going to happen. And so I think they learned from it. And to be honest with you, the, in the bubble, uh, they played each other in the first round again. They had that five overtime game. It I know. It took them like three games to beat the Blue Jackets finally. And then when they finally slayed the dragon, they're like, finally, now we got past them, you know? I was terrified. Um, I was borderline in tears when I found out that they were our first round. I was like, no, I'm done. I can't do this all over again. Like, I was, I was, you would have thought it was personal for me and yes, not, yes. not even supposed to be that serious. But I totally agree. I think because of that, the compete between these two, there's always going to be a, a high level of compete, friction, and tension. Quick pop reference question though um yeah, yeah. you mentioned uh cole Sillinger. did you see the fact that his uh former pop star girlfriend 
uh, put out a nice little unique video for him. I don't know if it's supposed to be a dig or what. I keep listening to the lyrics and then trying to like. I know, you, I, I'm with you 100%. I'm with you 100% because I've done the same thing. And and the thing is, like, we've we've literally never talked to him about. Oh, her. I was hoping somebody asked him about no, it. No, well, you know what? I think we, off the record, uh, somebody had asked him about it. And he basically last year was like, I'm not talking about that. Like, I'm not. Ooh. I'm just not talk about it it's personal it's my private life that kind of thing and so but i will say this like when they were together last year at the beginning of the year like she was at nationwide arena she was wearing the cole cylinder jersey like she had all of it going on and then she i know she became like friends with um like i think elvis Merzlikens' wife and a lot of the girl like girlfriends and wives and stuff like that like i think she kind of you know, became friends with them um, but yeah, I saw that too. We all did. And it was just like, oh boy, like, you know, she's yeah. riding a, a, a Zamboni. She's got like <laughs> hockey gear on, like all the visual stuff appears to be a big dig. But then like, I, I'm, I did the same thing. I looked at the lyrics and I'm like, that doesn't really seem to like, you know. Yeah, I was like, who hurt who here? Like, I, I, I'm so yeah. curious, but if my ADD can only allow me to be so nosy, it doesn't. After like looking at the lyrics for a second, Watching the video for a second, I was just kind of like, ah, I don't get it. <laughs> Cole, you know what? Cole has so much. I mean, I, I just talked to him yesterday, too. And he, this is already his third year in the NHL already. Wild. Because uh, I remember when he first debuted in, like, I, that, I couldn't piece that together for a second. Yeah. He's 20 years old, and this is already his third year in the league. And, you know, he's, he had a tough year last year. And so he's trying to, he's trying to get his footing back, you know, to where it was when he was a rookie. He had a great rookie year. And so he's trying to get back to that level. I think he'll get there. Um, I mean, he's a good kid. These guys are all young and everything. And, uh, you know, he's he's a hard worker. I know that. And so we'll see how he does. Um, they had him at the wing, too, to start the year. Uh, and they put him up there in the top line on the right wing. And I kind of liked it. And then uh, they, they have him back at third line center. I think they really want him to be a center. And so it maybe it's just like go go through – the process you know and, and if, 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 he has yes. the versatility to his game but it's just like i guess it's more the comfort zone and being able to play at your pace and apply that versatility because like we did that with a couple of guys here at the lightning we're like nope you're a center you're not a wing you're a center correct and uh, yeah and sorelli's amazing he's he is he really center. so you got to go through the growing pains and i think cylinder will be fabulous once he gets past that for yep. sure I agree. I agree. But yeah, I didn't, I saw that and uh, it was kind of Taylor Swift-esque, but uh, also <laughs> I didn't, I, I, I can't say that because I, I, you know, the visuals are one thing and then the lyrics are another. So who knows? I know. I was just hoping that somebody was on the same page as me. And as always, you made me feel like a, a normal human being for not understanding where she was going with that. But as always, Brian, I can talk to you forever. It's so great too. I love the fact that this friendship even started in the press box talking about these two teams. Now they're on your home turf. Hopefully I'll make it up to Ohio uh, before the season is over. But as always, thank you so much, guys. Follow Brian over at Brian Hedger. It's literally his name. You can't miss it. Great content about the Blue Jackets as well as soccer. Love the soccer takes and always extremely informative, insightful, and just an awesome human to talk to. This is Casing the League. I'm your host, Casey Hudson, here on Believe Network. And until next time, guys, I'll catch you later. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. 
And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.